Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. My name is Nick Amell. I'm Brandon. This is the show where usually one of us brings a top 10-ish list on anything and everything in the entire world and the other tries to guess it. This week will be a little different. I'll explain why in a moment. We're going to wrestle instead. We're going to... We're just going to leave our mics on and virtually wrestle because we're social distancing. It'd be fun to have a virtual wrestling match on Skype. Actually, it would not be fun. But today, we're going to do an episode dedicated to The Office. Before I get into all that, I also want to tell you that today's show, you might experience a little more background noise than usual on both our ends because given that goddamned coronavirus... Our families are home with us and we're, while we're recording, so just want to apologize in advance. Yeah, if it sounds like a bunch of coyotes getting into a, a trash bag in the background, that's just my kids. Yeah, and I'll be sure to mute myself when I'm yelling curse words at the sky out of frustration. Oh, thought you were going to yell it at the kids? No, I, of course, I would never yell at my kids, Brandon. But I would yell at our fucking listeners and I'm going to yell at them right now and tell them that today's show is... About the office. What is the office, Brandon? Do you know what A, the office is? Nobody's going to any offices right now. But The Office, the show, it was originally a comedy show in the UK, written and... Damn, you're boring the shit out of everybody. No, it's not. This is the fucking answer. Written by and starred uh, Ricky Gervais and it was really funny, but it's... um, The British version is kind of a little bit more mean-spirited, I think, and then they made an American version starring Steve Carell as Michael Scott. Michael Scott started out a little bit mean, but they, I think they quickly... He definitely did. ...figured out that like American audiences want a lovable goofball. He still has his asshole moments later. He definitely had his asshole moments later, but he always means well and kind of just became this like sweet, cute, kind of... Childish. ...dum-dum, yeah. He doesn't always mean well. I mean, I think uh, (laughs) Toby Flenderson out there listening would disagree. But largely, you're correct. And they kind of go into that in the Office Ladies podcast um, when they're talking about the show. Are you doing a plug for the Office Ladies? No. No. We did do an episode like this on Seinfeld, which is my favorite show, uh, at least my favorite sitcom ever. Would you say it's yours as well, Brandon? Yes. Okay. And the Office would be my number two. And we've had a few requests to do a Seinfeld-like episode for the Office. That's what we're going to do. In addition to what Brandon said, Wikipedia, our friends at Wikipedia report that The Office is an American mockumentary sitcom television series that depicts the everyday lives of office employees in the Scranton, Pennsylvania branch of the fictional Dunder Mifflin Paper Company. It aired on NBC from 2005 to It's way more boring than what I said. To 2013. And in fact, this week as we're recording this is the 15-year anniversary of the first episode of The Office. Goddamn. It's uh, one of the top trending shows on Netflix right now. I think that's always the case. I believe I've read at some point that The Office is the most rewatched show on Netflix. It's pretty easy to rewatch. Yeah. It's a good palate cleanser to the day. Yeah. I just throw on an episode of The Office and most of them are just a quick 22 minutes. You don't need any context from other episodes usually. It's a good one-off little watch. The Office was met with mixed reviews during its first shot season, but the following seasons, especially those featuring the star, Steve Carell, received considerable acclaim from TV critics. The first season has some of the funniest stuff, though. It does, but I think it was drier at that time, Mm -hmm. which, depending on your sense of humor, that may be better or worse, but I think for the mainstream appeal, 
the drier comedy is less appealing than it kind you know there's a little bit of Seinfeld in there because Seinfeld was this way too where first few seasons are kind of straightforward and uh, but as they go the characters and the situations get more and more ridiculous and outlandish mm-hmm. and petty and the office is similar to where it starts really dry very reasonable office environment Whereas the more it goes, the more like unrealistic and outlandish it gets. Yeah, later on, Dwight is pulling like nunchucks out of the file cabinet. Right. Like shit that he could never get away with. Where as in season one, most of the shit they did, you could, you know, reasonably think that someone could get away with that shit. So, and I think there's pros and cons to both approaches, which is why I like watching the first season and the ninth season. And like Seinfeld, The Office also ran for nine seasons. So, we're talking about Seinfeld in the office. I put up a poll on our Twitter, at TennisPod. You can follow us at 10ISHPOD. And I asked our followers, only vote on this if you like both shows. So, I tried to weed out people that dislike one show or have never seen either show. Yeah. So, I tried to qualify and I said... Try to get rid of the trolls. Yeah. And if you like both shows, which is the superior show? The Office or Seinfeld? Have you seen this poll? Uh, That's what she said. Uh, no, I didn't see the poll. Maybe I did. I don't know. I see a lot of shit on the internet. What do you want me to do? Remember everything? <laughs> see. Okay. Well, uh, The Office won the vote. Barely. 53% for The Office, 47% for Seinfeld. Almost 50-50. I'm going to tell you my opinion. I love both shows. They are my one and two favorite shows out there. And I think I give, I do give the edge to Seinfeld. I think it's more culturally relevant. I think it's more significant. I think it's more consistently funny. I think the characters have more depth to them. In The Office, I think I've laughed out loud more at The Office though. Individual moments or scenes make me laugh harder and more than Seinfeld. But as a whole, I I choose Seinfeld. And I know everyone out there was wanting to know my extremely particular rationale for voting. I was just thinking, God damn. You took me through every fucking step of it. <laughs> I like Seinfeld because it aired at like my, I think my very like, imp- you know, you watch comedy stuff at a certain age and it sticks a little no. bit. I respectfully disagree. Okay. Well, in With my the very opinion, premise of your point, I disagree. Yeah, in my experience, uh, certain things, th- certain <laughs> uh, comedy things that you watch at a certain age kind of stick more like, I think I watched Seinfeld when it aired in the 90s and... Uh, also found George Carlin albums all around at the same time. And I think whatever comedy you are into between the ages of like probably like 12 and 20 is pretty much what locks you in for the rest of your life as far as comedy tastes go. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, So, my stuff tends to be like dry or cynical, but I would never guess that based on this show. But some of the office stuff in preparing for this, I relived a few of my office moments or my favorite characters or episodes. Uh, and I recently started rewatching The Office with my wife in the evenings. And I enjoy a lot more of the goofy stuff than I remembered. And there is plenty of wonderfully silly things in The <sighs> Office, some of which I have recorded or prepared to discuss later. Well, I'm glad you did that, given that we're recording the show right now. Right. That's preparation. Not H. Preparation B. Yeah, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Preparation okay, so H what goes we're... on your butthole. <laughs> God damn it. Well, I was going to ask you, you know, you mentioned watching Seinfeld in the 90s and 
mm-hmm. you know, 20-something years ago now. Are there any other friends and colleagues that you have at your senior living uh, retirement community that also... <laughs> I'll see. What would have been better is if you had an actual question to tack on to the end of your little <laughs> shitty joke. I did, but I'm not going to ask it now. All you right. don't deserve it. Well, save it. Okay. The way this is going to work is we have a couple of categories here. We're talking about our favorites today as opposed to usually we talk about facts on our list. But today we're going to talk about favorites. So, I'm going to guess Brandon's favorites. He's going to guess mine and we're just going to kind of discuss as we go. I'm also going to interlace comments from our listeners that have submitted their favorites. And let's start with favorite main characters. Brandon, I'm going to guess you and I have the same number one. So, let's stay away from number one for a minute. Yeah. Tell me what you would guess based on your understanding of Nick Amell as a person, as a man, as a star podcast host. Based on your knowing of me, what would you guess are my favorite <laughs> office characters? My understanding carnal knowledge. <laughs> and we're not doing this in order, right? Because we don't have like all sure. fucking day here. I'm going to guess that, um, that Kevin is on that list. Yeah. What makes you say that? He's he also is. on mine. Well, I've heard you refer to him as funny before, but I know that some of the stuff he says in particular tickles you. He has my all-time favorite office moment that I'll get to later, but... Mm-hmm. I guess these don't have specifically have to be in an order, but Kevin is number three on mine. He's mine too, my number three. Something that I like about him is that he looks and acts and sounds very cartoonish without being overtly... Like, he's not wacky or cartoony in that way, but he does to me because of his shape and the, just the way he looks, his haircut, his, his bald head <laughs> the, on the sides, the way he holds himself and kind of looks sheepish or shy, the way he speaks, the way like everything is very cartoonish to me and I think that's really funny that he's able to do that and not seem like he's being a cartoon around all these real people. Do you remember that episode where he is... <laughs> The whole office is trying to keep a record for how long they can be quiet and they're like at seven or eight minutes or something and Jim's keeping the time and then all of a sudden it ends because Kevin goes, oh yeah, when he's biting into it <laughs> like a chocolate muffin or something and then they re- they restart and he, he's like, sorry, sorry and then they restart and then like 30 seconds later you hear it again, oh yeah. <laughs> Must have been a hell of a muffin. I think it was a muffin. Whatever. Kevin is great. He gets me. You said he was your number three. I think Mm -hmm. we have the same top three then because I'm going to guess your number two is Dwight Schrute. My number two is Dwight Schrute. Dwight has... Same here. From the very first episode, Dwight was like, like for the first few times you hear him speak and see his haircut and his glasses and the Mm -hmm. way he presents himself, you're like, I didn't know this dude exactly 100%, but in my life, I have known several guys who are many pieces of this guy. He's yeah. Everyone knows someone with a little bit of Dwight in them yeah. or different parts of Dwight. But he has the volume turned up on all that. And yes, all the volume is very, he's very cartoonish too. One of my favorite Dwight things is that there's a picture of him holding up a sign with his name on it and what each letter of his name mm-hmm. represents. So, it's like represents a different trait about him. Yeah. But <laughs> Dwight, D-W-I-G-H-T, stands. Uh, is for determined, worker, mm-hmm. intelligent, good worker, hard worker, <laughs> thoughtful. <laughs> and my favorite part about that, it's all amazing, but my favorite part is that the last one is thoughtful. <laughs> it's if he'd put any thought into <laughs> worker, intelligent, good worker, hard worker. Do you remember when he's applying for jobs and he sends 
both a work resume and a karate resume. <laughs> or maybe it's mixed martial arts or whatever. But, you know, my favorite moments of Dwight are the moments where he's like surprisingly human. I don't know how else to say it. So, an example that comes to mind is how like, you know, you envision him alone on this farm. He only eats what he hunts or grows. Mm-hmm. He doesn't interact with people. He thinks things that people love are like unimportant. But then like you find out he loves or he watched The Apprentice with Donald Trump. He was sad that he missed an episode. Like those moments where like, oh, he actually does still enjoy Dwight. those little human things. Just normal human stuff. I thought you meant like emotionally. And I was well, thinking about there's a time where Pam cries, something happened, you know, yeah. whatever. She wants Jim and... Pam crying, you saying that doesn't narrow it down too much. Well, she cried on Dwight's shoulder and yeah. he kind of hugged her or he was nice to her in some way, maybe gave her a tissue and then he kind of gently said to her, he must be PMSing pretty bad right now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> he still cares, he's just still Dwight. One of my other favorite Dwight things is how loyal he is. Sometimes, because sometimes he's not. Yeah, sometimes he'll stab Michael in the back for a chance at success. Right. He's almost always right there willing and able to be Michael's support and security when Michael's upset. Yeah. (laughs) And when Michael's upset, Dwight will like just assume the position of being in his office for moral support, even when Michael doesn't explicitly ask him to be there, right? Dwight will just be in the background agreeing with whatever Michael's saying to the camera. Those are my favorite Dwight moments, that, those sorts of things. His relationship with Michael, even more so than his relationship with Jim, which I think most people would say is their favorite Dwight relationship. Yeah. But for me, it's Dwight and Michael's dynamic that I enjoy most. Okay, so we, we agree on number one. I'm going to save him for last again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that in your top five also is Daryl. It's not. I don't have Daryl. Although Daryl is very good and I, maybe I should have I put him in. Andy is... I didn't put Andy on here and I mean, I do think that Ed Helms is funny and that character is funny most of the time, but he's... He's also annoying sometimes. Right. A lot of his comedy comes from like the cringe factor stuff. Michael's the cringe factor because he's such a dweeb or a douche or whatever. But he thinks he's cool. Yeah. And I don't know. There's a right balance of cringe. Yeah. Between like laughing with and then or laughing at and then also like if there's too much cringe, it's like I, I can feel myself curling up into a ball on the inside like I just can't laugh right now. It's like all of our listeners. Yeah. Andy does that. Andy does that to me. Well, and that's summed up perfectly in the episode where Andy is trying to be Michael's second in command, right? And even yeah. Michael is like, this guy's too much. My, I will say my favorite, if I want to give a shout out to Andy for being fun, the episode where his phone is hidden in the ceiling and over and over you hear that acapella, that yeah. That's the one where he punches the wall at the end. Maybe my favorite Andy episode because he does slowly become human, like a rage filled human, mm-hmm. but tries to keep it cool. There's some points where like he does that, there's like a head thing where he's like, uh, trying to like uh-huh. hold in the rage and keep cool because Tuna's fucking with him. <laughs> Tuna. Uh, but then by the end of the episode, he punches his hole through the wall. And yeah, I, I like that. There should have been more of Andy having um, freakouts. Andy's not in my top five either, but a few things I'll say about him is I love he just will randomly sing like words and sentence like... Uh-huh. <laughs> You know who else does like, that in real life? Who? Oprah. 
Everybody loves Oprah and kisses her ass, but that's something she did when she had her show. What? Give me an example. When she introduced people to come out, she would sing their names as if like an announcer would would introduce like the host for Saturday Night Live, say, tonight's host, Steve Carell. Mm -hmm. That's the announcer's job. They have a voice that, and they're supposed to give it that flair. When Oprah would announce someone like Tom Cruise, she was just going to come out and like kiss his ass. And a lot of ass kissing going on on that. That's all Oprah's show was, was whose ass is getting kissed this week. She would sing like Tom Cruise. Oh, okay. But the crowd would go fucking nuts. So, it's hard to blame her. But if you isolate the crowd noise from that, it's just a crazy woman singing (laughs) the words she's trying to emphasize. And your top five. Why don't you just tell me someone who's... Creed. Creed. That's a good one. Uh, He's in my honorable mentions. Creed is just up there probably for the same reason he creeped into your honorable mention. Creed is creepy. (laughs) He says the most bizarre, disgusting, strange things like... Mm -hmm. It's the one where they were all dealing... (laughs) Dealing. Michael was dealing with the fact that Oscar is gay. (laughs) Everyone else is fine. (laughs) They're like, okay, Oscar, you are gay. They're all dealing with Michael dealing. Yeah, they're dealing with Michael dealing (laughs) that that Oscar is gay. And Creed has a... A moment to the camera where he says something. He's in, he's basically saying that he's fine with homosexuality. He said when he was in like a I know mud filled uh, hippie orgies in the sixties, a man could have slipped in there into the mud, and there'd be no way of knowing, really. Yeah, yeah, that guy's weird. I love everything about Creed's like bizarre behavior. There's an episode where Ryan talks to the camera and says that he set Creed up with a blog. Uh oh i did i had that i followed that blog for a while it was funny well no 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 well maybe they created one later there was a real one you could go online and follow they didn't update it very long okay well in the episode ryan's telling that and then it shows what he did and he just set up a word doc on creed's computer and and creed's typing like hey oh what's happening gang (laughs) do you have any guesses on my other two one of them is a dark horse. I don't think you'll guess. Is one of them Kelly? Yeah. That's not the dark horse, but Kelly is in my top five. Because I almost put Kelly too. And I think that's secretly because, what is the writer and actress's name? Mindy. Mindy Kaling. I secretly, like I actually think Mindy Kaling probably like saved some of those like really spicy lines for mm-hmm. Kelly's character. Well, she was also one of the main writers on the show. Right. Now, Kelly almost gets in there because she doesn't appear very much, but when she does, she usually drops some bombs. She's a little more nondiscreet in the first few seasons and then later, she has these just fucking awesome moments. Like, there's one where Ryan's the big executive and she tells him, well, I'm pregnant and then it immediately cuts. It immediately cuts to one of her talking head interviews and she just shakes her head at the camera and then it cuts back. Or there's the other one where she walks in wearing a suit and she says, the business bitch. Just stuff like that. I have to say that this is kind of off topic, but the camera cuts, that's really the funniest part of the whole show. Yeah, it makes the mockumentarians our character in itself. More than any one line or any one character, it's the character's interactions with the camera, one, and two, the just the perfectly timed cuts and zoom ins and zoom outs that the camera does that makes the show. I'm almost about to kick Creed out of my top five and put Kelly in instead. Yeah, she's great. So, how about, give me, is uh, Meredith in there? No. Angela? No. Here's my honorable mentions. Okay. 
Gabe, have you still not seen the last two seasons? Yeah, I didn't watch much. I didn't. I haven't watched the last couple seasons. Okay, well, Gabe is so fucking funny in the <laughs> the last few seasons. Creed is a honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. Oscar. Yeah. Toby, just because of the meekness. Sure. Like the episode uh, where he can't bring himself to enter the church. Where <laughs> he's so like downtrodden and like, <laughs> yeah, a very honorable mention. Or when Dwight convinces Toby that. Daryl is faking a leg injury to get workers comp Mm -hmm. and so Dwight and Toby go undercover to watch outside Daryl's house to see if he's using the leg and then you see a behind shot, someone that looks like Daryl wearing the same jersey Daryl's wearing, carrying like a huge bag of dog food (laughs) and then Toby, completely out of character, is so angry he leans out the door and says, hey, you gonna eat all that dog food yourself, asshole? (laughs) And it turns around and it's Daryl's fucking like twin sister. Oh, no. And Toby just goes, drive, drive, drive. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Toby. And my last honorable mention goes to Aaron, the receptionist. Oh, yeah. I love Aaron. I think of all my honorable mentions, Aaron would probably be the one I'd put at like a number six. So, I guess I still didn't guess the other two. Yeah, you won't. My number four is Robert California. Okay. He's in season eight. He's the first. The replacement, right? He replaces Michael and then Angelo Vickers, Will Ferrell, who we'll talk about later. I think he's extremely underrated. I know some people don't even like him, but Robert California is so perfect. Well, tell everyone who he's played by. Maybe that makes a big difference. James Spader. James Spader. Who also has a, a role in one episode of Seinfeld, by the way, among many other things, The Blacklist. But he, in his first scene, is his job interview and he's talking about how everything is sex and sex is what sells. In the next episode, it's revealed he was going to take the branch manager job, Michael's job, and instead, he walks in, sees, <laughs> sees the staff just sitting there working and he immediately is disgusted and walks out, <laughs> drives the Tallahassee headquarters and takes the new, the Joe's job, the CEO. He just has that power over people. Robert California is my number four. So, I have two Dwight, three Kevin, four Robert, five Kelly. If I did have a six, it'd be Aaron. That leaves my number one. Have I, who am I missing on yours? Am I missing one? I also have Stanley. Stanley. Yeah, he's great. The I can't remember the Boy, name. Boy, have you lost your mind because I'll help you find it. <laughs> yeah. The actor's name is Leslie Baker. Is mm-hmm. that his name? Sounds right. Listener of the show. <laughs> if it's not, I'm sorry. But he has the funniest face. Like he can make, <laughs> yeah. he can make a board face. Like he has like 10 different ways to make a board face <laughs> and they're all pretty funny. And sometimes both of his eyes are not open the same amount. Yeah. He's just great. It makes me laugh all the time. And he's so transparently all I about, don't care. Yeah. And not wanting to work while getting... There's a scene where he's doing his annual review with Michael in his office and he turns on the charm for Michael because he wants his raise. Uh-huh. And Michael asks Stanley if he learned that in the hood. <laughs> and normally Stanley would call him an idiot or whatever, but this time Stanley just like, goes... Yes, I did. He goes, yes, in the ghetto, in fact. <laughs> And Michael's just mesmerized. <laughs> but those moments where Stanley is like purposely deceitful to get what he wants are great. Who was it? Oh, Stanley. Oh, he picked Stanley for basketball and then was really disappointed <laughs> he, when Stanley. He's black. <laughs> yeah, when Stanley was like, you know, he dribbled like an old man. <laughs> yeah. Who was it that was actually good at basketball? I can't remember. It was Phyllis and oh, yeah, Kevin. It was Phyllis. And Kevin. Kevin could shoot free throws and get it in every single time and he did it off camera. 
And oh, I right. believe Phyllis said I re- she played basketball in high school. Yeah, and Michael like makes fun of her. But I'm pretty sure Kevin could do the actor could do that for real, and they just kept filming him until he missed. You know, at the top you said that this, the American version of The Office they made Michael less mean. Mm-hmm. Well, it's those moments where he like disqualifies Phyllis because she's fat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for that, and I have some more on that later. But let's talk about our number one. Both of our number ones. It's got to be Michael. Yeah. Tell me why Michael Scott's your number one. Besides George Costanza, he might be the greatest television character ever created. There's it's so funny. Much, I have that exact note. Like once they established the character, which didn't take long to do, I don't think. Because mm-hmm. Michael is another character everyone has been at some point or knows someone who is fairly often like Michael Scott. Mm-hmm. You know, they just put it all into one person and crank it up. Once they establish that character, it must be the most fun character to write for because you can throw any situation at him and there's a pretty like defined way that Michael Scott would react or deal with any situation and most of them are funny. Yeah, and he's a really deep complex character because he's insecure, he's obsessed with what people think of him, but he's also overly confident and arrogant. But also very good at his actual job when he does it. Or yeah. he's good at selling paper. I remember again in the Office Ladies podcast, today's sponsor, they were talking about how when they were developing the Michael character, they intentionally wanted to make him a good salesman because he was lacking in every other area of right. management. So, he is a good salesman and he can be a good boss. Um, but I do kind of prefer those early seasons where everyone just hated him and thought he was the biggest idiot, did not laugh at his jokes. Because later they kind of softened that. People were more tolerable of him. They were more helpful to him. And you know, I wrote the same thing. I wrote, maybe my favorite TV character ever, neck and neck with George Costanza. I think those two are the two best characters in TV history. At least sitcom history. So yeah, Michael Scott, we're going to talk a lot more about Michael Scott today. So for now, I'm going to tell you what some of our listeners said. I asked on Twitter and Instagram, again, follow us at TennisPod. I asked, who's your favorite Office character? Uh, a podcast about something on Twitter, they said Creed. And I want to tell you that a podcast about something is a great show. They did a full episode covering the dinner party episode of The Office, which is the best and my favorite Office episode. Which one? The dinner party. That's oh, the one right. where Michael and Jan are like terrible while they're hosting a dinner. Uh, are we going to talk more about that later? Because yeah. I yes, have, there's something I read about that that I want to bring up. Yeah. Anyway. Grab him in the brisket podcast and the stuck in the middle podcast both chimed in and said Dwight was their favorite. Death by Champagne on Twitter said Angela. At Oki Quotes said David Brent. We have to have a contrarian. A yeah, exactly. David Brent is great though. You just trolled me. And then at Chrissy Alice said Mose, Dwight's cousin. Remember him? Mm-hmm. We'll talk about Mose. And then a few from Instagram. Chris on Instagram said Michael Scarn. Do you know who that is? Agent Michael Scarn. Agent Michael Scarn. Uh, and then we have a few more votes for Creed that came from the Camel. And then at Holly Lynn 87 on Instagram said Dwight. A lot of Dwight love. No one said Michael Scott other than Michael Scarn. Interesting. Well, you guys biffed it. So that's favorite characters. Now I want to talk to you about your favorite side characters. Or infrequent character? Side or infrequent characters. I said this when I, when I asked Brandon to compile this, what I said to him is these are characters that are in 10 or less episodes. So, a side character such as Meredith would not count here. Right. It has to be someone even more to the side. So, who do you got? Well, the first one I wrote down was Todd Packer. 
Todd Packer. He's my number three. I didn't count to see if he was in less than 10 episodes. I thought pretty that sure that he was. That was just a rough guideline, but I think he counts here. Todd Packer shows up within the first two episodes of the first season mm-hmm. and he's such a fucking awful dickhead. <laughs> the first thing he says to Jim in the series is he goes, so up, Halpert, still queer? <laughs> <laughs> and Jim just looks at him like, oh, well, how do you even answer that? <laughs> I love that. It's such a, I mean, it's an, <laughs> a bullying insult from such a like bygone weird age. I'm sorry out there if you don't think it's funny. I think it's hilarious when people who say such like <laughs> idiotic bullying shit. He is so perfect at it and he's so out of touch. And you know, that line right there is a good example of why I read in an interview with Steve Carell where he said he would never do an office reunion and his reasoning was that it wouldn't be the real office because everything's so politically correct now, you couldn't say and do the things they did during the original run. Yeah. Which is... Like the, in the diversity episode. Yeah, diversity day. It's also, I think, in the first season and they... Uh, when uh, Angela has Jamaican on her head, they're mm-hmm. having to guess each other's ethnicities or race based on the stereotypes they're sharing with each other and... <laughs> Kevin asks Angela because her card says she's Jamaican. He says, I'm like, do you want to smoke some pot, Mon? And she's like, no. He goes, I think you do, Mon. You can't do that now. That reminds me of Kevin's Australian accent where he just goes, mate, on the end of every sentence. Yeah, Todd Packer is up there just because he's such a boorish, awful, obnoxious. He's like a frat boy in his 50s. Oh, man. Yeah, the actor David Kechner? Kechner? I don't know. I love his character yeah, in Anchorman as well. Yeah, he's not, he's not too far, he, not, not too much unlike that character, Blake, kind of perverts from a bygone era. <laughs> uh, also on my list, you mentioned him earlier, Dwight's cousin, Mose. Mose, he's on mine. The he's first time you see him, he's just like a feral, bearded. <laughs> like Amish, yeah, almost. Feral, bearded Amish critter that just sort of scampers <laughs> into the frame. And he like, doesn't he drop or like appear from something and then and run off? And anyway, the way he enters or shows up and that for the first time you see him, um, I remember made me laugh so hard the first time I saw it. It was so weird. Yeah. There's an episode where Jim and Pam are staying at Dwight's house because it's part of his bed and breakfast. Mm-hmm. And Dwight is wailing in the middle of the night and Jim is like, what is that noise? So, he goes out and he cracks open Dwight's door and Dwight has his back to the door and he's crying. And he says, is that you, Moe's? I can't remember the exact line, but it's something like, did the lightning scare you, Moe's? I'll come tuck you back into... Like, just that Moe's is like this childlike character that's completely dependent on (laughs) Dwight, who's the last person you want to be dependent on. That's pretty great. And he's also one of the lead writers, I believe, the actor, not Moe's. I have someone on here that is a very unsung hero. Who's that? Hank, the security guard. Well, I sung his ass to number four on my list. Yeah. (laughs) I can't believe it. He was Tell he always looked, he, because he always looked like he was always so like put <laughs> off with like the insanity that would sometimes pour out of the office usually but led by Michael. I don't know he just sticks out to like of like I don't know he was always there ready to be like yeah, whatever I don't care I'm There's turning my head. There's a scene where someone gives because Hank is a security guard that's in like the lobby of the building. Yeah, he doesn't work for Dunder Mifflin. He just works yeah. for the building. He doesn't give a shit what they're doing. There's a scene where someone had given him a note to tell someone else. I can't remember who, but someone comes into the lobby. It's like a scavenger hunt type of thing. I'm butchering this, but 
Hank says, um, you know, he reads the message and then he says, you're supposed to do this or, or some shit. <laughs> and it bleeps shit. And for some reason, the bleeping <laughs> makes it better. Because you, it's like everyone's had a, like known or been around someone who's like that security guard who like, when you actually talk to him, he doesn't have like a professional way. He's just like, I don't know, you're supposed to do this or some shit. He's just 100% Hank all the time. It's just amazing that he lives in the same universe so closely to Michael Scott. Yeah. I don't know if you would have seen this character because he, I, he might have shown up in season seven or eight, but Nate from The Warehouse. Mm-mm. He's some like comedian or something that's in other shit. Let me see if you recognize his actor name. His character is Nate Nickerson. He's played by actor Mark Proksh. Anyway, there's these scenes where like he, <laughs> it's when Andy's no, trying to refill. I've never this guy before. Andy's trying to refill the warehouse staff after they all leave from winning the lottery and they have no one to fill orders. Mm-hmm. It's like a misfit of people in the conference room trying to apply for, trying to get this job. They all end up getting it. But Nate, when he goes up and talks to Andy, he says something about how he has a hearing problem. He's not deaf and he can hear, but sometimes he can't hear words coming in certain direction and he just goes on and on and Andy's, and then Andy's talking to someone else and Nate's like, what? Were you talking to me? And he's like, no. And then there's also a, a moment where Daryl gets Val in the warehouse some really nice gloves for Christmas. Mm-hmm. But when he finds out Val didn't get him anything, he pivots and pretends he didn't get her anything and he hands the box of a present to Nate who's standing right there. And Nate just opens it and says, Daryl, these are so nice. Thank you. So, anyway. Oh, wait, I'm reading this because I had to look him up. Later, he gave Daryl a book of Nate coupons, including one for a free tickle attack. (laughs) That's that's Nate's response gift to the gloves that he had gotten, which were ladies' Christmas gloves. (laughs) And also, when they want Nate to do something or they can't remember why, but they tell him his mom died. (laughs) And and apparently, they tell him that all the time because they're like, it's for real this time. And he always believes it. (laughs) It's hard for me to do justice to Nate, but he is one of my favorite characters in the later seasons and he's in my top five side characters. I guess I'm going to have to watch some of them because it does make me laugh that they would tell someone their mom died multiple times. It is strange that you love The Office so much, but you haven't seen the last two seasons which have been out for going on 10 years. Well, I didn't have Michael. I know, but they're still great. My honorable mentions before I get to my number one are Joe Bennett. She's the CEO of Sabre played by Kathy Bates. And also, David Wallace. I love David because he's always like the one reasonable straight man Just in every... normal person. Yes. Uh, but there are those times where <laughs> he's so dumbfounded by something Michael says that he's just like, mm-hmm, yep. Huh. <laughs> and also when he invents Suck It. Remember with this little redhead kid playing the drums? Suck It! Well, that's David Wallace. Oh, I do not remember that. Okay, great. Good talk. Who else is on yours? That's it. We nailed them all. Oh, okay. I have one more. D'Angelo Vickers, Will Ferrell's character. I didn't see that episode either. Okay. See, Will Ferrell is in the last three episodes with Steve Carell mm-hmm. and then one more after that. And there's this fucking scene. <laughs> there's a couple of things. <laughs> but one, Jim and Pam trying to get him with Will Ferrell's, uh, who plays D'Angelo, his good side when he becomes the new boss. Um, and they keep trying to woo him by showing him cute pictures of their baby mm-hmm. and telling baby stories. And finally, he tells them to 
like scram, I don't care about your baby. And he says to the camera, I swear that baby could be on the cover of a magazine called Babies I Don't Care About. <laughs> and then there's another moment where D'Angelo has an inner circle, uh, like a clique mm-hmm. of men that they come into the office and they shoot little basketballs into one of those like door basketball hoops and they talk uh, shop. And Jim is outed at one point for some reason. And Jim tries to sneak back in because he doesn't like being out. And D'Angelo just stops laughing mid-sentence and just does a cold, dead Will Ferrell stare (laughs) (laughs) at Jim. That kills me. And my last D'Angelo Vickers moment. See, you can't appreciate these, but all the the D'Angelo fans out there are are yucking it up. Uh, He's a bit of a show-off. He has a little bit of Michael in him in that way. He's like a juggling champion. And he says he forgot his juggling balls in the car. So, he'll just pretend and do the movements as if he did have the ball. So, he proceeds to do like a five-minute juggling routine with imaginary balls Uh to the song Wake Me Up by Evanescence in the (laughs) office and it's just Will Ferrell pretending to juggle for five minutes and he he takes it dead serious as only Will Ferrell can. It's it's a great great little scene but I feel like I'm talking to a ghost here who can't appreciate it. Let's just move on then. Sorry. Who are your least favorite characters? I only put down one and it's Karen. Whoa! Hot take. Why? Because she wasn't funny. She was just the plot point. She was just something to like get in the way of Jim and Pam for a while so they could stretch that out. I have a few and I'll just go through them quickly. I'm not saying that each of these characters don't have moments here and there that I like. But I consider these the most expendable slash characters that get on my nerves most often. Nellie, season eight and nine, you wouldn't know her. No. But goddamn, there's an episode where she just takes Andy's job from him. She just sits in his office and starts doing his job. And that episode makes me legitimately furious. <laughs> I can't even watch it. Two is Phyllis. Phyllis makes me laugh sometimes, but usually it's people saying and doing things to her. Less right. often it's her doing something funny. Roy? Yeah, Roy he, sucks. He's important, but he's not a character I enjoy. And then my last one is Holly Flax. The female Michael Scott? Yeah, she's just like a lesser Michael Scott to me. It's like, just show me more Michael. I don't, and I don't enjoy Michael when he's not being himself almost. When like having emotions and stuff? Well, because Michael is himself with Jan, right? He's still an idiot with Jan and he still like says inappropriate things, gets Jan in trouble. But with Holly, he cares so much because he loves her. <laughs> right. Well, which is fine. Like Michael can find love. But as a viewer, she made Michael less interesting to me. But there were a couple of votes on Twitter including from Grab Him in the Brisket and from Always Time for True Crime, the podcast, they voted for Ryan as their least favorite. And I can see that. I like Ryan. He makes me laugh, but I could see someone being annoyed by him. He was Michael Scott's favorite. He was. Michael would always make uncomfortable comments about Ryan being attractive. I have one of those later. Okay. I have a long quote from Michael later that involves Ryan. That's my... Yeah. I'm most looking forward to talking quotes, but there's one more section I want to get through before that. Do you have any favorite... I put favorite moments and or episodes. I have a little mix of both and that's where one of these okay. quotes come from because it's actually kind of a whole tack on to a, an episode. Well, why don't you lead with that? Well, the episode is in season two. It's called Take Your Daughter to Work Day. And yes. everyone brings or everyone who has a daughter brings them to work and Michael is clearly like upset that the kids are not interested in him and what he's doing and I think he's feeling weird about not having a child. Yeah. So, he sits in the conference room with all these children. <laughs> he tells them, there was a show called Fundle Bundle and I was the star mm-hmm. with this little smirk on his face. 
Yeah. And, and he cr- always has those glances to the camera, right. like ever so subtle glances at the camera that he perfected. The kids don't believe him and he's like, I'll prove it. And he immediately leaves the conference room and hit and says, this is when Ryan is still an intern. This is the quote. So, keep in mind, Ryan is just sitting at his desk and then this is the, what he hears. Yeah. Now. Ryan, can you come here a second? I would like you to go to my mother's house in Dixon City. And if she's at the pool, the back kitchen window should be unlocked. I want you to boost yourself up. I want you to go down to the basement. In the basement is a tape labeled Fundle Bundle. I want you to grab it. I want you to get my guitar. I want you to get a tambourine. Do you know how to play the tambourine? (laughs) The first question is, why doesn't Michael just do it himself? Like everything about it. Can you come here a second? Then I'd like you to go to my mother's house. (laughs) From the very beginning, it just spirals out of control the things he wants him to do and then after ryan leaves michael tells the camera good attitude hottest in the office (laughs) for no reason just comments on how hot where he thinks ryan is well ryan's also his first choice in recruiting for the michael scott paper company even though ryan is worthless as an employee there's another favorite moment i have after that where they're watching the show funnel bundle and michael was not the star he was a kid he was in one episode and was asked a question by this mouse puppet, a a Muppet. (laughs) Yes. Michael answers, the child Michael answers, and whatever it is, is basically saying like, when he grows up, he wants to have, oh, he wants to have a big family so they can never (laughs) leave him and there will always be someone who loves him. So he can have friends. Yeah, so he can have friends. And the Muppet... (laughs) The reaction from this Muppet is like... Keep in mind, it's a hand inside of a puppet. It's a hand inside of a puppet, but that Muppet is like, looks like you just told him the most harrowing Vietnam flashback. That Muppet looks like, holy fuck, the trip this kid just laid on me. (laughs) That puppet conveys a lot of emotion considering it's a puppet and it has like three seconds. Just silence in this Muppet's face is like... Yeah, I can picture that exact moment. He just brought Fundle Bundle way down. (laughs) Speaking of Vietnam, there's the Prince Family Paper episode. Might be season four or five. That's when Michael and Dwight are trying to steal all the clients from Prince Family Paper. Mm -hmm. By the way, have you ever seen a little indie paper company ever in your in your life? (laughs) Okay, but they go in there, and Michael's like making friends with the owner and his family, who are all really nice. And the owner says something about when he was in Vietnam. He started the business after he got back from Vietnam or something like that. Uh-huh. And Michael responds by saying, oh, Vietnam, I hear it's great this time of year. Yeah. Completely missing the point that he served in Vietnam. No. Uh, one more is uh, the dinner party, which we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. I stand by it being the best office episode. This is where Michael and Jan, Jan's a really great character too that we haven't really talked about. But they trick, Michael tricks Jim and Pam into going over for dinner. Dwight is upset that he's not invited and it's because he doesn't have a plus one. Why does he trick them into coming to dinner? Because Michael always wants to hang out with Jim and Pam and Jim always says something like, we "We have plans, we can't this night and then Michael makes up a reason for them all to stay late at work and then it gets canceled all of a sudden. This is all manipulated by Michael. And then Michael says, uh, well, since you don't have plans tonight and then Jim and Pam can't get out of it. And Dwight wants to go but he can't because there's not enough wine glasses. Uh-huh. So, Dwight shows up later with an old lady who's his babysitter and his date, his right. babysitter as a child and he brings wine glasses too and their own food. <laughs> and then later, 
Dwight and his babysitter date are sitting at the dinner table and she's talking, making small talk and Dwight just, he's eating like a turkey leg and just casually without even looking at her just tells her to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) But that's one of a hundred amazing moments in that episode. I read somewhere speculation and there was several points of proof that this person pointed to that they believed that Jan and Michael were inviting Jim and Pam alone to dinner to swing. I remembered this. Tell me about it though. I can't, I I don't remember. I can't remember where I found it. And there were several specific things and then there was one very strong piece of evidence, but I no, and, and all the prep that I did for this, I looked for it. I mean, I obviously know which episode it is, but I could not find that fan theory on... On Pornhub when you were doing research on yeah, swinging parties? On um, Michael and Jan setting up a, a swing party. There might have been like an undertone of that, I remember. A few other episodes I'll mention quickly. Business school, that's where Michael is invited to speak at Ryan's business school class. Mm-hmm. That's where Ryan tears up a textbook because he says, these are meaningless. You won't learn from this. And then he also throws candy bars into the crowd as if they're an elementary student. Oh, that's right. And it hits him in the head. Well, on my list, the Dundies episode. Of course. Anytime there's Dundies, I enjoyed it. The very first little glimpse of the Dundies you get is Michael Scott wearing a tuxedo t-shirt and Dwight is behind him playing Mambo number no. 5 on a recorder <laughs> with that high-pitched whistly noise and Michael is singing lyrics where he just switched up the random ladies' names in Mambo number no. 5 with Angela, with the women from the office. Mm-hmm. The sexual harassment episode where Michael gets very close to Phyllis and says something like, the only thing I'm worried about is getting a boner. <laughs> it's getting a boner. <laughs> I have that on my quotes. <laughs> the way he says boner is so juvenile. Uh, the injury, the one where he burns his foot on a George Foreman grill because he likes yes. to wake up to the smell of <laughs> fresh bacon. cooked bacon. <laughs> but my maybe my favorite episode overall, at least the one that sticks out to me the most, tickles me, is called Back from Vacation. It's when you find out that Michael took a vacation to a sandals resort in Jamaica with Jan. And Jan doesn't want people to know. Uh, Michael comes back and is super tan and has a little braid in his hair (laughs) (laughs) and keeps talking about like the way they do things on the island. He purchased a steel drum, Yep. but Michael only knows one note and he keeps playing in his office, feeling hot, hot, hot. (laughs) And then he does a little dance with his sticks and does it again, feeling hot, hot, hot. Yeah. That reminds me of when Michael, when he's in certain moods, will find free music samples on Amazon uh-huh. to play in his office. Over and over. Or yeah. what, no, he plays a sad one. So yeah. he doesn't have to pay he doesn't have to pay <laughs> iTunes. He just plays the preview of it over and over. It's like thirty seconds. It was something like, You're beautiful <laughs> that <laughs> it was one of those like sad songs or something. Anyway. But my favorite part of the episode is Jamaican Jan Sun Princess, which is the file name. Jamaican Jan Sun Princess is uh-huh. the file name of the photo of Jan Topless that he accidentally shares with the packaging department. He meant to send it to Todd Packer right, as proof that he went to Sandals, Jamaica with Jan, but he accidentally sends it to packaging. And Daryl immediately forwards it on to the rest of the office or everyone in the company. <laughs> but Jan is topless in the picture, laying down. She's like sunning her back, you know. Oh, baby. Michael is behind her. 
and he has an obnoxious smear of zinc oxide on his nose, the, you know, the very white, yeah. crappy smear on your nose at the beach, and a huge smile, and his arms are out to the side. The way he's posing behind her is like he's presenting her and himself together, like, we're here together in the picture. The point in the episode where they show the actual picture that's been sent around fucking annihilates me. It annihilates you, wow. The way he's posing behind her, so happy <laughs> to be like, look at me, I'm here with Jan. He's more excited about everyone knowing he's with Jan it's, than yes, just being with Jan. He's clearly taking that picture like, look, I'm here at Sandals with Jan. And he could yeah. not fucking wait. He'd been in the office all of like 15 minutes before he sends it to someone. It reminds me of when Jan and Michael kiss at the Chili's parking lot mm -hmm. and Michael wants to be like an item after that and Jan doesn't. He chases her down to the elevator and he's like, why? Why not? She's like, it's not your looks. It's, it's you're just stupid, Michael, whatever. And he goes, so it's not my looks. And she just, <laughs> and she sighs and leaves. And she takes as a compliment. Okay. One more I want to mention is the lecture circuit. This is where Michael and Pam travel together to go to all the different Dunder Milton offices and Michael speaks about how his branch has done so well in sales. This is remember where he brings a chainsaw and Pam uses it to say slash through the sales. Oh, God. But Michael gets up in front of a group of strangers to him, which is another a branch at another staff, and he talks about his sales techniques. And he says, here's the quote. Again, he's standing at the front of a conference room. Everyone's looking at him. I don't know you, but I don't need to know you in order to sell to you. That is why I've asked you to go around and tell me your names. I have an amazing mnemonic device by which I've memorized all of your names. Shirty, Mole, Lazy Eye, Mexico. <laughs> Baldy, sugar poops, black woman. <laughs> I have taken a unique part of who you are and I have used that to memorize your name. And then he looks at one person. Wait, the unique part of who you are, one of them is just black woman. <laughs> Here it is again. Shirty. Shirty? Yeah. Mole. Lazy eye. Mexico. Baldy. Sugar Me boobs. Why Mexico? And is that a Mexican woman. person? Yeah, it is. In Diversity Day, he asks Oscar if he's offended when people say the word Mexican. <laughs> okay, but back to this. He looks at one guy in particular and he says, Baldy, your head is bald. It is hairless. It is shiny. It is reflective like a mirror. M, your name is Mark. <laughs> and that was the wrong name, by the way. It was. <laughs> Wait, shirty <laughs> is someone who's wearing a shirt? I don't have the picture in front of me, but I don't know. It's just Michael. Oh, goodness. <sighs> a few nominations that we got from listeners. Uh, a podcast about something, again, brought up basketball. And mm -hmm. I think that's episode one of season two. You brought that one up. That's where Stanley dribbles weird and Michael's obnoxiously unsportsmanlike. And then also product recall in season three. This is the one where Jim impersonates Dwight. He walks in wearing a tucked in shirt and glasses. Right. Bears goes, beats Battlestar Galactica. That's product recall. Okay, so are you ready to move to quotes? Sure. Do you have some? Yeah, I have three. I have several. They're all Michael quotes. I had forgotten about this one. We were re-watching the other night and this, this made me laugh really hard. Michael is talking about downsizing and about whether uh -huh. or not he should tell his office that they're at risk of being downsized. And he says, am I going to tell him? No, I'm not going to tell him. I don't see the point of that. As a doctor, you would not tell a patient if they had cancer. <laughs> I remember that. Next one, I think everyone has probably heard this one a few times. Would I rather be feared or loved? Easy, both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. 
It's so perfect. I want to know what percentage of those lines, those one-liners are him on the spot versus scripted. Yeah. Don't take my word for this, but I think I've heard that Steve Carell is not like a super great ad-libber. No, no, you know what? I'm getting it wrong. The story was that Mike, Steve Carell is not like the super hilarious guy off camera. Uh, he's more of a normal serious guy, whereas someone like a Will Ferrell is always funny no matter what setting. Will Ferrell could show up to my house and tell me that... <laughs> <laughs> Your parents are dead. <laughs> like my family died in an accident and I would be like, God, man, you are funny as hell. <laughs> You're joking right now, aren't you? He's like, no, I am dead serious right now. I'm serious as a heart attack. God, man, you are, you just can't help it, can you? <laughs> I know. Tickling me this way. Uh, so, the last one is one I didn't remember. I just kind of came across this Michael quote. It's a, just a good classic Michael quote. He says, there are four mm-hmm. kinds of business, tourism, food service, railroads, and sales, <laughs> and hospitals, manufacturing, and air travel. <laughs> That might be the business school episode. That honestly sounds like something that Donald Trump would say. <laughs> I, know, I know. I know. I think we'd be better off right now if Michael Scott was president. Yeah. And that's saying something. Only four kinds of business and one of them is railroads. And then he immediately names two or three more yeah. after that. I have quotes from others but since you did Michael, let me start with Michael. Yeah. If I had a gun with two bullets and I was in a room with Hitler, Bin Laden and Toby, <laughs> I would shoot Toby twice. <laughs> Explain to me like I'm five. And this is when Oscar's trying to explain the surplus to him. Mm-hmm. And then Oscar does. He tells him about the lemonade stand. <laughs> explain to me like I'm three. <laughs> this isn't a quote, but his book, his book that he's always working on is called Somehow I Manage. I just think that's the perfect name. <laughs> Somehow I Manage. <laughs> it reminds Michael, me of it, on The Simpsons, Milhouse's dad recorded an album called Can I Borrow a Feeling? <laughs> Michael is wanting a girlfriend because he just broke up with someone, might have been Jan. And so, he tasks everyone in the office to come up with eligible bachelorettes for him to woo. Um, And Phyllis is talking about this friend she has. Sandy, you'd love her. She's great, great personality. And Michael immediately quizzes her. He says, this is the exchange. Mm -hmm. Michael, could we share a rowboat? Could a rowboat support her? Phyllis says, what are you asking? Michael. I think I'm being very clear what I'm asking. Would an average-sized rowboat support her without capsizing? Uh, Long pause. It bothers me that you're not answering the question. Phyllis, no, all right, no, she couldn't fan in a rowboat. Michael says, damn it, I knew it, Phyllis, I knew it. His instincts were right. Use the rowboat. It's a friend of Phyllis, she assumes she's overweight. A few more here, I'll rattle them off quick. Creed. Oh, you're paying way too much for worms. Who's your worm guy? Yeah, he's got a worm guy. This is a talking head to the camera. If I can't scuba, then what's this all been about? What am I working toward? (laughs) In the episode where Dwight hires a photographer to take photos of everyone in the office, for nefarious means, of course, Creed is taking a portrait with two people. And then he tells the camera, if my parents see this, I'm toast. (laughs) (laughs) Toast. (laughs) One more Creed is um, he walks up to Pam's desk while she's at reception and just stares at her with a creepy look on his face. And Pam says, please stop staring at me. And he just smiles and nods and says, in a minute. And then he keeps staring. (laughs) He's getting his fill. All right, I'm going to do Dwight and then I'll finish with Kevin. And my Kevin quote is my all-time favorite office moment. So, you have that to look forward to. Here's Dwight in an exchange with Andy. This is in the duel when Andy finds out Angela's been cheating on him with Dwight. 
and they're in the parking lot. Andy has his car and he's pinned Dwight against the shrubs. I think we can all picture this. And Dwight is like hitting Andy's hood of his car with his hand or briefcase or something. And Andy says, you give up? He's yelling out the window at Dwight. You give up? Dwight, never. Get out and face me like a man. Andy, I am a man. I'm a bigger man than you'll ever be. I will never sleep with another man's fiance. Dwight, you're not a man. You don't know how to take care of her. All you do is dress fancy and sing. La 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 la. What does that mean? You can't even protect her. Andy, protect her from what? Bears? You idiot. When's the last time you saw Baron Scranton? And then Dwight looks offended and he pauses and then makes a snarl and says, Last year, idiot. <laughs> that always gets me. Wait, he probably did. Last year is the last time you saw a bear. Idiot. Through concentration, I can raise and lower my cholesterol at will. Jim, why would you ever raise your cholesterol, Dwight? So I can lower so it. So I can lower it. Here's Dwight. Congratulations on your one cousin. I have 70. Each <laughs> I have 70. Each one better than the last. <laughs> he kind of... He's a one-upper. His responses are not that different from like a 13 or 14-year-old. In an ideal world, I would have all 10 fingers on my left hand, so my right hand could just be a fist for punching. <laughs> would be ideal. Yeah. The last Dwight is, you couldn't handle my undivided attention. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My last two. Two Kevin quotes. First, uh, oh, sorry, I have three. First, he says to Oscar, and he has a smile and he's like chuckling while he says it. Mm-hmm. Do you like it as much as you like men's butts? <laughs> I can't remember. What does Oscar say to that? Just, I can't reply. remember. I think he doesn't reply. And then Kevin is at a house party. It might be the episode where they're all watching Glee and he crawls under a blanket in a bed. It's not his bed. And he has a plate with him and Dwight's there. And he says, I wanted to eat a pig in a blanket. In a blanket. <laughs> that one I don't understand. Why? I mean, maybe I need to see it. He gets in someone else's bed. I know he gets bed. in the blanket. Okay. I understand Psychic this. Psychic host Brandon Kaufman, everyone. All right. My all-time favorite office moment. This is in drug testing. This slays me every time. It's when Dwight orders urine testing for drugs in the office. It's the same episode where Michael frames Toby, I think, mm-hmm. for marijuana. It's Kevin's turn for his urine sample and he walks up and the lady who's there administering the urine test, she hands him a cup. And Kevin says, I'd like a magazine, please. And she says, we just need your urine. And he says, I'd still like one. And then it zooms in on the lady's face and she is appalled and not sure how to respond. (laughs) It it does a quick zoom into her face and then it cuts in the end of scene. And I swear to God, I could just watch that on a continuous loop all day and I'll laugh every time. Maybe the most sinister thing Kevin ever shared. (laughs) It's still like a magazine for his urine sample. So, that's The Office. We're obviously only scratching the surface here. So, maybe we'll need to revisit this sometime. Per chance. Then again, maybe not. That's The Office. I put it right below Seinfeld on my all-time favorite list. And uh, did you know The Office is leaving Netflix at the end of the year? Or maybe sooner than the end of the year. It's leaving it this year. It's going to some other thing that they want you to pay for? Going to Peacock, which is NBC and Universal's new streaming service coming out. Fuck off, Peacock. It's not going to happen. Well, I hate to say it, but if they have the office, I might have to get it. I think it would be more cost effective to like just own the digital versions of all the seasons. 
I own every episode on DVD. <laughs> but the problem is it's such a pain in the ass to get you the DVDs out. You don't want to put a DVD in. The other day, we got a new entertainment center. So, I took all the DVDs and Blu-rays out of the old one, put them in the new one. I was like, why the fuck am I doing this? And if my kid asks to watch a movie that is on DVD, the first thing I do is look to see if it's available for free from a streaming service. Even if you spend several minutes doing that search. I could could just get the DVD out. And then, sometimes I've even said, I'd still rather rent it on Apple TV than, (laughs) than push the input button three times. Switch over to input channel one and fire up the Xbox in order to play this DVD. I don't want to do any of that. I just want to keep using the remote I'm using right now. The hardest part about DVDs is you have to skip through the trailers every time at the top. I paid for the DVD. Why are you still selling me other fucking movies? It would be one thing if you could watch them like the first time you put the DVD in and then never again. Because by the time you, because if you watch this DVD 15 years later, those trailers are meaningless now. If you ever wanted to like tempt me to kick a hole through the wall in my house, you put me in this scenario where my child is asked to watch something that we only have on DVD. So I've switched over to the Xbox. I put the goddamn DVD in and now it's starting to show me trailers for movies that came out 15 years ago. Right that we don't want to watch and I'm trying to get to the top menu the t- or yeah. the title menu. And, and sometimes you, it takes like five minutes. Sometimes you push it and all it does is give you a symbol that says circle with a slash through it. It <sighs> yeah. basically says like, no. Yes. It's just, it's your DVD player crossing its arms in front of his chest and going, <laughs> no, I'm not going <laughs> to do it right now. <laughs> I hate You're going to watch this trailer for Shark Boy and Lava Girl again. Fuck you. You also can't skip like the FBI warning, the copyright warning. Yeah, I'm not... Yeah, and you can't skip it. And if you try to go to the top menu or title menu, the DVD player will tell you, no. You got to be warned every time that the fucking FBI is breathing down your shoulder. Yeah, when they're not assassinating JFK, am I right? We should have just done this episode on all the ways we don't want to dig out DVDs for our children to watch. I think we need to do an episode that's just all the ways Brandon's (laughs) ass is being chapped right now. The trailer hitches. Just all bitching. That's what we're here for. We're here to bitch. Uh, We're also here for you and we want to thank you for listening. We're here for you, bitches. We're here for you, ignorant sluts. Yikes. That's an office quote. That's an office quote. Remember? He's quoting Saturday Night Live. Okay, whatever. Fucking smart guy over here. Did you know that? No. Well, that's part of the joke. That's what makes the joke funny. It's funny on its own. Is he's using that joke it's wrong. funny on its own too. The original joke is a point counterpoint between a man and a woman on Saturday Night Live. The man was Dan Aykroyd and the woman was Jane Curtin. They're going back and forth making these arguments and the woman played by Jane Curtin makes a really solid point and Dan Aykroyd just comes back with, Jane, you ignorant slut. <laughs> okay, that is funny. There but- you go. Brandon, everyone, here to ruin moments that you thought were Office Originals. Uh, hopefully, they knew what was going on. Okay, anything else before I sign us off? Anything else you want to point out that I'm doing wrong? Nope, that's all good. Okay, that's we'll be fine. back with episode 81 next week. We'll go back to list guessing and Brandon, don't forget, I will have the list next week. Oh, good. And it's going to be a good one. A bloody one, you might say. Bloody good. Is it about menstruation? Okay, it's not. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.